This week in KMA Land, mayors veto a Shen Council pipeline stance stays. Page County Public Health Board expands. Page County supervisors change meeting times. Search for the new supervisor continues. Governor Kim Reynolds gives her condition to the state speech. I'm Mike Peterson. Shenandoah City Hall was the site of another showdown on a controversial carbon pipeline project in KMA land this week. At its regular meeting Tuesday evening, the Shenandoah City Council took no action to rescind Mayor Roger McQueen's veto of a resolution objecting to Summit Carbon Solutions' proposed Midwest Express Carbon Pipeline project. Approved by a 4-1 to vote at its December 20th meeting, the resolution also opposed the use of eminent domain in acquiring property for the pipeline, which would extend through a a good portion of the Midwest, including western Iowa. Both supporters and opponents stated their cases in the project. Jim Stark is CFO with Green Plains, whose Shenandoah ethanol plant is one of 12 in Iowa to be served by the pipeline. Stark says the pipeline is the most significant method of reducing the plant's carbon footprint, a necessity for manufacturing future projects, such as jet fuel, for example. In order for our ethanol to be used in the production of sustainable aviation fuel, it must be low carbon. Our ethanol produced today does not meet those requirements for this new potential market. And along with the other reasons I mentioned earlier is why Green Plains was an early signer with the Summit Carbon Solutions Pipeline. Grant Terry is Summit's Senior Pipeline Project Manager. Terry extolled the safety steps the company plans to take during the pipeline's construction and expressed confidence in the project's contractors. Opponents, however, challenge Summit's safety claims. Marty Maher, who owns property near Imogene, says the proposed pipeline carries the risk of a mass casualty incident if it ruptures. You've got a new assisted living facility going up out here on the west side of Highway 59. You know, if you had a school that close to a pipeline, you'd have to have mandatory evacuation plans at least a couple of times a year. That happens in other cities in the state of Iowa where they have a pipeline next to a school, you have to have mandatory evacuation programs. You're going to have to do that with the assisted living. You've got to protect the citizens of Shenandoah. That's whom you're elected to protect, not Summit Carbon Solutions. However, SKIA Executive Vice President Greg Connell urged the council to support the pipeline and not listen to opponents' comments, which he claimed were intended to scare council members into opposing the project. We're not scared people. You ran for the city council because you care about this town. If you want this town to continue to grow, if you want to make sure that your grandkids have an opportunity like we did to grow up in this great community, it's important that you do the right thing. And the right thing is to support the Summit Carbon Solution Project, which supports Green Plains, which supports the farmers. 50% of the corn in Iowa goes to ethanol. You eliminate ethanol in Iowa, what do you do to the farm economy? Action to override McQueen's veto was placed in the council's agenda, but no motion was made. McQueen explained his decision to veto the council's stance on KMA's morning line program Wednesday morning. While saying the city wanted something in place regarding its concerns regarding the project, McQueen added the council took action without hearing from the other side of the issue, namely the Green Plains and Summit Carbon officials. I'll be the first to say I probably did this backwards. I probably went 3-2-1 instead of 1-2-3. But at that time, we felt it was the best thing to get that resolution. Then when we looked at that and after meetings with Green Plains and Summit, it was obvious that the city or the council did not have all the information uh, from the other side. And so it just felt prudent to me to veto that and, and make sure the council and the citizens had more information. McQueen says he's satisfied that Summit will take enough safety precautions during the pipeline's construction. 
and he sent this message to the critics of the city's handling of the issue. For anybody to say that, that, that the city, my office, or the city council does not care about the citizens of Shenandoah is complete bunk. Um, they do. Uh, that council is very much aware of taking care of the citizens here as much as I am. So that, that's our goal. That's what we do as a city council and a mayor. And so, uh, you know, I hats off to them for, you know, their, their compassion towards Shenandoah. The mayor added he doesn't foresee the council taking any action regarding a municipal pipeline ordinance in the near future. Page County's Board of Health is expanding by two members. Meeting in regular session Tuesday morning, the supervisors voted two to nothing to expand the board overseeing public health in the county from its current five members to seven, including a supervisor as a voting member. The discussion came after the board approved filling the vacancies on various county boards, including two vacancies of the Board of Health with Karen Mason and Wendy Meyer. Supervisor Jacob Holmes says the topic to expand comes in hopes of providing more individuals to ensure the board can meet quorum and hold regular meetings. The last few meetings that had trouble with quorum, a lot of trouble, not be able to have a meeting. So I reached out to Isaac, the attorney up there, and said, what can we do with this? Can we give them some more members to make it really maybe reach quorum? And they said, that's fine. It takes a simple, simple motion in a meeting to expand. So I thought that maybe helped when we have enough people that applied. Holmes says they had received three applicants to fill the seats of Tish Frazier and Lori Gibson. However, before approving the expansion, County Public Health Administrator Richard Mullen expressed some concern about having a supervisor as a voting member. While not wanting to discourage supervisor participation in the Board of Health, Mullen cited one possible conflict of interest for that supervisor. It is a conflict of interest is to do a budget with the Board of Supervisors and then have that budget Board of Supervisors turn around and approve that budget. So there is that conflict of interest. Well, he can't approve it by himself, but he's one of three votes. But yeah, Correct. he can't just approve so it either, either at the Board of Health or at the Board of Supervisors, we did have to abstain from that. So mm-hmm. they'd have to choose that, and that's how they would prevent that from being a conflict of interest. Mullen says the liaison position likely would have been smoother to still have supervisor representation and communication without any possible conflicts, which he adds is the current setup in Montgomery County. Additionally, Della Calhoun, a contract nurse with Page County Public Health, questioned why the board suddenly wants a supervisor on the Board of Health as a voting member. She claims that hasn't been the case since she got involved with the county's public health department in the 1980s. Speaking for public health, I've yep. been in it for all my life practically, and I just don't quite understand all of that yet. And I do fear that there's going to be some pushing and some, you know, I hope that it is a um, a happy Mullen also has some reservations about expanding the board to seven, with two newly appointed members already joining the board. However, Supervisor Todd Maher hopes having a supervisor on the board could create a stronger bridge between the supervisors and public health, particularly given the still-lasting impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Other changes are coming to Page County government, including meeting times and agendas. At that same meeting, the county's Board of Supervisors discussed various topics about how and when the board will meet. Most notably, by a two-to-nothing vote, the board approved a new meeting schedule, including evening meetings at 6 p.m. on Tuesdays, with the first meeting of the month taking place at 9.30 a.m. Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes is hopeful the new schedule will allow for more public attendance. Well, I remember being in the public, and I remember trying to come to meetings, and I remember trying to ask for a meeting to be in the evening, so people would want to come, and it was very frustrating, because a lot of people wanted to be heard, couldn't be heard, because they could not get off work at 8.30 in the morning. 
So I think having an end option, a first Tuesday of the month in the morning, so we can kind of like we do now, we book people who can only come in the evening the first Tuesday at night. Well, then, people that only can come in the morning, we can book the first Tuesday in the morning. However, County Auditor Melissa Wellhausen advised a future budget concern is that county employees would act in their duty at meetings and are not exempt from overtime pay would receive overtime during the meeting. The board also looked into how public comment is allowed during meetings. Currently, members of the public are allowed five minutes during a period at the beginning of the meeting. However, Supervisor Todd Mayer says he would like to allow time throughout the meeting for the public to comment on each specific item before the board votes. There may be items and things that come up during the meeting, and then the public is not allowed to comment on it. And so I felt like it should be at least, maybe it's only a couple minutes, but they should be able to at least, if they have a comment on it before we vote, so we have that open dialogue with the with the public, um, right. and we're not just sitting up here as a Gestapo, past, you know, <laughs> running everything, and nobody has any say or nobody feels like they're engaged. Holmes added they would keep the period at the beginning with the suggested five-minute time limit. Meanwhile, plans are in place for appointing a new Page County supervisor. Members of a county committee consisting of County Auditor Melissa Wellhausen, County Recorder Brenda Size, and County Treasurer Angie Dow recently made the decision in the wake of Chuck Morris's resignation earlier this month. Wellhausen tells KMA News the committee intends to publish the vacancy in the local papers on January 18th and 19th with the resumes and cover letters of interested candidates for the District 3 position due by noon January 24th. Then the committee plans to meet at 1 p.m. on January 24th to discuss questions and applicants at that time, and then we plan to move forward with interviews on January 25th starting at 8.30 a.m. and January 26th starting at 8.30 a.m. Education reform and health care are front and center for Governor Kim Reynolds heading into 2023. During her condition to the state address to a joint session of the state legislature Tuesday evening, Reynolds announced a plan to establish education savings account, which would help parents and their children to private schools, a proposal similar to a 2022 effort that failed to pass the Iowa House. In the next school year, Reynolds says more than $7,500 in state funds would be placed in the accounts, which is the same amount public schools receive per pupil in supplemental state aid. We have incredible public schools filled with amazing and dedicated teachers. My daughter is one of them. But every child is an individual who deserves an education tailored to their unique needs. And parents are in the best position to identify the right environment. Reynolds also called for expanding the More Options for Maternal Support, or MOMS, program, which currently supports nonprofit promoting health pregnancies and childbirth. Additions would include nonprofit grants to support at-risk fathers and mentorship for school-aged males. One pregnancy support center estimated that 85% of their clients would carry their child to term if they had a supportive partner. Studies show that without a father present, a child is more likely to have behavioral issues, live in poverty, and die in infancy. With him, those indicators and others are reversed. Mothers are more likely to receive prenatal care, have a healthy birth, and experience less stress as a parent. Childbirth and parenting weren't the only health care-related topics prioritized by Reynolds, citing a 34% increase in drug overdose deaths as the state since 2019. 
In addition to launching a public awareness campaign and opioid overdose, the governor is also calling for an increase in penalties against fentanyl-related crimes, a drug that Reynolds says attributed to 83% of the state's opioid-related deaths in 2021. I'm calling on the legislature to increase penalties for manufacturing and distributing fentanyl in any amount. That means longer sentences and higher fines, even when the quantity is small and when an overdose leads to death or serious injury the sentences will be even steeper. Reynolds is also calling to allow first responders easy access to naloxone, a drug used to treat narcotic overdoses, which she says can currently only be distributed by pharmacies. Finally, Reynolds has proposed reducing the number of state cabinet agencies from 37 to 16 to streamline government operations. Space, safety, and aging utilities are taking priority for Clarinda school officials as they work on improving the district's facilities. During its regular meeting this week, the Clarinda School Board approved resolutions placing the issuance of up to $14 million in general obligation bonds and a voted physical plant and equipment levy of up to $4 million on the March 7th special election ballot. The board also set a public hearing to utilize 8 to $12 million for the district's Secure and Advanced Vision for Education, or SAVE, funds at their next meeting January 25th. Clarinda School Superintendent Jeff Privia says the move comes after the background work, including a bond issue circulated through the community, has been completed, and they can now present facility improvement proposals to the public. Among those, Privia says, is providing adequate space for their students including the addition of a middle school wing and the front of the 7 and 12 building. They will have their own um, separate area that will be uh, right next to the uh, office area um, and the entrance. So we'll be able to keep um, our middle school students a little less integrated with our high school students. Um, They have their own wing um, that allows them to be more like middle school students. Um, obviously, there still be some shared areas that um, we would have to have, like our commons for lunch and our PE classes. He says the addition would also include new lighted parking in front of the building. And Privia says they also hope to redo the high school media center to suit the district's special education programs better and provide more rooms for instructors and students. Privia adds they would look to address the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems, which have begun to show their age of both of the school's primary campuses. We have a failing infrastructure that we really have to tackle, and our SAVE account is very important to uh, getting that done. That'll be one of the biggest things that I think we take care of first. Other plans include construction of an early childhood center on the north side of the pre-K-6 building, including the addition of four preschool rooms. Thirty percent of our kids that come from uh, the community are not in accredited preschool. So when they come to kindergarten, um, uh, you know, almost a third of them are, is, could be their first experience of, of school. So um, expanding that program and helping the community with wraparound care is really important to us. Also at the elementary building, Privius says the district would like to improve the security of the side entrances on both the 4th through 6th grade building and pre-K through 2nd grade portions and add a bus loop at the back entrance to allow more space in the front and side parking lots. 
Privia says they're still working with their financial firm to determine the final details of how the general obligation bonds and voter-approved PEPL would impact the district's taxpayers. Those wishing to find out more information regarding the proposed renovations should contact the school district at 712-542-5165. Efforts to establish a leash law for animals in Clarinda have gone back to square one. By a 3-2 vote Wednesday, the Clarinda City Council rejected the second reading of a proposed ordinance amendment that would have required pets to be on a leash when off the owner's premises. The rejection came after a handful of citizens spoke out asking for more strict regulations to be adopted. Colleen Strong says she deals with at-large animals when walking her dog. Myself and my dog have been subjected to situations that could have accelerated the serious. What are we to do on our daily walks? to protect ourselves from dogs running loose. We cannot stop and call the police, and by the time they could get there, it could be too late. I'm suggesting that the ordinance be that unless your dog is in a fenced or electronic yard, if they are out of your house, that they will be tethered in some manner, regardless of size or breed. Cindy Herr owns and operates a dog grooming business in Clarinda. Her says she's concerned about enforcement of any potential ordinance, citing current rules are hard enough to enforce. If we do have a leash law, I'm concerned about who's going to be um, enforcing that because that does take some paperwork and that seems to be the big issue. Well, we don't have the time or the people to do paperwork. Other suggestions from residents concerned addressing specific breeds in the ordinance. Mayor Craig Hill says regardless of what type of ordinance the city adopts, it will still be up to pet owners to abide by the regulations. It still comes down to the responsibility of the owner of the animal to make sure that they are doing what is right for their animal as well as for the community. And there's no amount of, uh, I mean, there's there's only a limitation of what we can do. Following discussion, Councilman Matt Ridge motioned to approve the second reading, stating they could always take up another amendment with stricter provisions in the future. Ridge and Councilman Jamie Shore both voted in favor of the proposed leash law, while Councilmembers Jeff McCall, Kaylee Neal, and Austin Ashrell voted against it. City Manager Gary McLarnon was instructed by the council to write a stricter ordinance that could be presented to the council in two weeks. McLarnon says he would look at an ordinance similar to one in Los Angeles requiring all animals not in a fenced-in yard to be on a leash. And Shenandoah High School students received a wintertime shot of school spirit this week. Each day this week, fun and games dominated the school's power hour as classes competed in a series of wild and wacky contests inside the Mustang Gym. It was all part of Winter X Games. In addition, the famed dress-up days, students vied for points in the pursuit of the coveted spirit stick, sort of the X Games holy grail. Lindsay Lundgren, the high school student council advisor, told KMA News Winter X Games were created about a decade ago as a way to inject school spirit during the winter doldrums. Winter X Games started actually with a different advisor, I don't know, many years ago, as just a, like a kind of a fun way to come together and show school spirit in the winter. And so everybody coming together like this way to have kind of the same idea as winter homecoming, but kind of a challenge the same between grade levels, but a way to kind of kick off the winter kind of when it's the dead time. Winter X Games tops off with the winter dance tonight at 8 at the high school gym. That wraps up this week in KMA Land.
Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to kmaland.com where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.